0: I'm gonna be a leader I'm gonna lead the way girls I'm a firm believer we can do anything we want look if I said it then I meant it I probably already did it consider it done consider it done if you need some inspiration you should play this championship leadership podcast
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Championship Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Nate Bailey, and I'm excited today. Our guest, he was referred to me from from a man that I highly, highly respect that's been on the show a few times, former Navy SEAL, former uh, author of a a book called SEAL Team 6, as well as many other books. Uh, Don Mann uh, reached out to me, sent me an email, connected me with our guest today, J.D. McCabe, and he's got just a crazy incredible story a book that just came out the third gift and it it details this personal story that he went through and and I'm not going to spill too much of it it's a very personal story that he went through with his wife and his family and and divorce and and uh and just some of the crazy things that happened there that that ultimately led to what he calls the third gift and so that's all I'll get into that it's an incredible book like i said a very very crazy but very interesting story to hear and to hear him go into detail. So with that, I want to get into JD McCabe and and the third gift in his book. You can get his book pretty much anywhere where where they sell books online, amazon.com, probably being one of the, the easiest places to go and pick that up. So without further ado, let's get into JD McCabe. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Championship Leadership Podcast. I'm excited we got J.D. McCabe here with us today, uh, the author of his his book, The Third Gift. And uh, it's an incredible, powerful story, a personal story of his uh, that he went through. And, and so we'll, I'm, I'm excited to, to dive into that. J.D., you were uh, referred to me by Don Mann, who is a former Navy SEAL and an uh, incredible author as well. New York Times bestseller, but just an incredible man. Uh, so I'm glad he made that connection. And uh, we have the time here to, to meet and talk today. So thanks for being here, JD.
2: Not at all. Thank you for the opportunity. And again, I'm grateful to you and I'm, I'm grateful to Don Mann for helping to connect me with you as well. So very, very yeah. much appreciative.
1: Absolutely. This, this episode will be a little bit different, I think, than, than others that we've had. but. Uh, I'll have you answer the first question, anyways. Just kind of like what we usually do with everybody, which is championship leadership is the name of the podcast. What what comes to mind for you? What does that mean to you when you hear that?
2: Well, and I, I've I've given that some thought as I as I prepared to you know to come onto your your podcast. Um, you know, given the situation that I went through, I would think several several things jumped to mind. First of all, in in the industry I've, I've been in, I was a first line leader. You know, for ten years, so I had responsibilities for for people. So you can look back over that, that period in my life. And it's really about, you know, leading by example, it's leading by, you know, folks trusting you. But as I fast forward to the situation that I went through, you know, five, six years ago, uh, Nate, I I look at leadership as the ability to, to handle adversity, the ability to handle disappointment and to, you know, continually get it, get up, get up off the mat. I think about my two kids who are young adults now and Something that my therapist at the time said to me, um, which I think is true of any good leader, is as you go, they will go. Mm-hmm. So they, w- they will be watching how you react to the situation. They will be watching the choices you make, and um, and so I, 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 lean, I lean on that. So I would I would summarize it as you know, leading by example, and also being able to to make yourself vulnerable. Right, good leaders yeah. are vulnerable. They have no problem sharing their shortcomings, humility self-awareness. But I, again, in my situation, it's really about leading by example and being able to stay strong with the help of others and the grace of God, but, but stay strong in the face of overwhelming adversity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, well let's, let's kind of dig into it then. Give us uh, the story of the background of this book and, and uh, how it came about for you.
2: Yeah. The, I mean, the, the background of the book, I never intended to write a book Uh, Others have asked me, you know, did you you always want to write a book? And I said, no, I did not want to. But very happy. And this is, again, my opinion. Others on the outside may disagree, but a very happy, stable marriage for the first 17 years. You know, on paper, we were married for 23. But about the end of the 17th year, um, things started to subtly fall apart. And 2010, when my now ex-wife started to make some accusations around infidelity and then ultimately would move towards uh, drug addiction and drug abuse and that I was abusing drugs. And I, I, you know, I was cheating on her and doing this and doing that. Things really intensified in the spring of 2014 to the point where I, I isolated myself from a large family and I isolated myself from, from friends. And I, I shared with nobody what was going on in my personal life as, as the marriage began to fall apart. And that, that, that damn near cost me my life because she was able to hollow me out. She was able to continue with her accusations around drug addiction and trust in our marriage. And I internalized a lot of that and began to look within myself and with time and with the assistance of my now ex-mother-in-law began to internalize this and really begin to believe that, yeah, okay, the, the collapse of the marriage, perhaps you had something to do with this. Perhaps you never, there was never a foundation of trust because some of the lies that you had early on in the marriage. and. I talk about that in the book. I talk about kind of what perhaps led to this. Um, And it was in the summer of 2014 on a beach trip that, you know, my mother-in-law threatened to kill me, (laughs) suggested I was addicted to drugs. I was addicted to porn, that perhaps there was something going on in my childhood that has caused my problems. And um, fast forward a couple months from there in September of 2014, I. Ended up being involuntarily committed, caught up in the mental health care system. As I would later find out, my now ex-wife played a key role in setting me up behind my back. And so I was involuntarily committed, thought i had hit rock bottom after spending nine days in a psychiatric facility. And within two minutes of coming out of the psychiatric facility, quickly realized that, yeah, we're, we're not quite at rock bottom yet. And, and the bottom is nowhere in sight. So I stayed in the marriage. People question why I stayed in the marriage, but I stayed in the marriage for another seven months after that. Was manipulated out of the house, if you will, in in May of 2015, and then we proceeded to move towards, um, you know, separation and ultimately looking at uh, looking at divorce and an alimony trial down the road. But as I was as I left the house in May of 2015, I was still holding on to the fact that. That we were in love we'd separate for a little bit we'd reconcile and yeah i, I mean i was as blind as as i wow. could be yeah given all that all that i went through i had the support of my entire family but in general a couple of a couple of my brothers that had come to town when i was in psychiatric lockup that you know supported me staying in the marriage but they saw some things that i that i failed to see and probably the biggest one is that she set me up and she she put me in there but i i would, like to say that, again, the biggest mistake that I made was keeping it all to myself yeah. and you know, staying, staying on an island. Um, yeah. and, and, and good leaders don't do that normally. You know, good leaders will, take, will share with their confidants. They'll reach out to other folks to problem solve. And I didn't do it, whether it was pride or what have you. But it, she, she pushed me to the edge. And the, the involuntary commitment to a psychiatric facility happened in less than two minutes as my family practitioner typed on his computer with his back turned to me, he said, you know, it sounds like the events that occurred over the weekend uh, sounds like bipolar. And if you don't go to such and such psychiatric facility, I'll have you involuntarily committed. So, um, but I, I would later discover, and thus the third gift, her revelation to me at our first mediation, um, led me to a uh, down a path of discovery that Ultimately, I uncovered that everything she was accusing me of doing, she was actually doing. Yeah. Wow. You know, from the drug addiction to the infidelity, I would say massive infidelity. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I had the wherewithal, given the industry that, I, that I'm in, to be able to decipher five years of pharmacy claims, five years of medical claims. And that's when I discovered her addiction to Adderall, Adderall XR, Riddle in LA. Uh, which is written in LA as a long-acting form of an amphetamine, and for two years, in 2011 and 2012, she used our kids to fill 600 days worth in their names. Wow. So I mapped, I mapped all of this out uh, and yeah. was able. That's why I call it a gift because her revelation to me forced me to take a look at all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I, I probably would not have looked at it. So again, very happy marriage the first 17 years the last, I guess, six years on paper, it was just uh, a, a journey through hell. Um, yeah. But I, again, I had quite a few friends and family that ultimately got pulled into the nightmare as well. And, and. have been tremendously supportive and continue to be today.
1: Yeah. So what was the, what was the, you know, the, the decision to, to, to write this book and to share the story? What, what was the driver behind that? Uh,
2: that's an, that's an excellent question. I've, as we went through the journey, and I can, I can smile about it now, my attorneys and my therapists at the time, there were so many different twists and turns um, as folks, if they're kind enough to purchase the book, they, they, will, they will read about all the different twists and the turns and all of the folks that were involved on her side in what I believe was kind of a, a, com- a conspiracy to set me up. The, the therapist, the attorneys, family and friends said, men, you absolutely have to write a book about this. So when I got out of psychiatric lockup, it took me several months. But my brother, Al, and his wife, Jane, had said, you know, you've you absolutely got to start documenting this stuff to protect yourself. If you're going to stay in the marriage, OK, we, we support that. But if you're going to stay in that marriage, you got to start documenting this stuff to protect yourself. You've had the cops called on you. You've been locked up, been misdiagnosed with bipolar, two. You need to start documenting this. So after four or five months of not listening to them. There was a particular incident that happened at home that I left. I said, that's fine. You know, you want to argue, I'm just going to leave. Took my computer, left for three and a half hours, and really just started to build out a diary of everything that, that happened going back, really back to 2010. Yeah. Um, so by the time we made it to our alimony trial, which didn't happen until 2016, so I was in psychiatric lockup in 2014. Took us two years before we ultimately got to an alimony trial. Four, four failed mediations. And in North Carolina, you know, they suggest mediation before you get into the jam-packed backlog court systems, which I found out all too well that they are backed up. Yeah. But um, I had 70 pages, eight and a half by 11 single space. So I had a, a start. I had a very good start on the book. And yeah. all of the, my attorneys and my therapists and family and friends would come to me and say, here's the name I want you to use in the book when you write your book. Here's the name I want you to use for me. So I had a ton of encouragement along the way. And I was fortunate enough through another former military individual that I worked with that he had a, he had a connection with a publisher and, um, you know, I, I was blessed to be able to, you know, to have, ultimately have it published and yeah. released this past March. Yeah. what? But, um, I, but I think, but I think the driver behind, yeah. it, I mean, to cut you off, the driver behind it was my, my therapist as well said, look, when all said and done, you really should consider writing a book about this because there's not enough books out there about men on the other side of the equation. Yeah. But I want I want to be clear, it's not a men versus a man versus woman thing that, you know, there we're equal opportunity offenders, but she yeah. said there's just not enough out there. Yeah. And as I did my research, as I started writing the book, that in fact was the case. There's there's not enough information about men on this side of the equation.
1: Yeah. And well, you know. God, it's uh, unfortunate that, that this type of stuff happens, but uh, obviously real world, it does. And, and uh, you know all too well that. What else? Like, I know you, you are raising some money for, through the, the proceeds for military and a few other others as well, but outside of really trying to help other men that, that, uh, that might, go through this, or like you said, you could flip flop it even if you're a woman that's going through something like this, they absolutely can learn from your story here.
2: If yeah. they're
1: reversed, but what are some other, what are some other just lessons that you just have pulled from this experience? Cause there's, you can go through something like this and and not learn from it at all. And, uh, and or you can choose to, to find some of the, like, well, I mean, the, the book's called The Third Gift. You can find some of the gifts that are really, Uh, There for you to take to really learn moving forward as well, and hopefully to help some other people as well. Is there some others that really stick out to you?
2: Yeah. And I think so. so, And and again, I'm I'm grateful to you for this opportunity because what, you know, and you talk about on your podcast, right? Vision, where you want to go. And so for me, you know, as I think back on it, life was cruising along pretty good. You know, I was doing well professionally. We had two beautiful kids, happy, stable marriage. And then then the bottom falls out. So yeah. you've got to kind of, you know, as any good leader does, you have to you kind of course correct. And, and, and now, you know, being an empty nester with, you know, my two kids being 25 and 22, it's like, all right, now what? Right. So yeah. for me, the book has given me purpose and what I want to do with it in my vision for it is to be able to give back. I'm not, I'm not looking to make, I'm not looking to get rich off it. I'm looking to give yeah. back and I'm looking to support organizations I'm already doing a fundraiser with it with an organization out of Erie, Pennsylvania, called Mercy Center for Women, for abused uh, women, homeless women. So we're doing a fundraiser there, and then a couple of couple of the military organizations. But I, I'm, I'm open to I'm open to you know be able to provide some opportunities for others down the road with it. Yeah. Um, but, the, but the lessons learned from it is, is for me was really humility. Um, not sitting back and getting comfortable in life, but looking for, you know, what does that, what does that next purpose look like? Um, and what, one of the things that kept, well, a couple of things that kept me grounded throughout the whole ordeal. And people are like, you know, I don't know how you stayed sane. I don't know how you stayed employed. The funny thing is, and what's funny now is, you know, I got promoted into the current position I had, yeah. I was promoted into this position six weeks after I got out of the psychiatric hospital. That's amazing. And, in spite of her trying to de- continue to derail me the, in- the entire time. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a matter of just counting your blessings. So for me, what kept me grounded was to, to look to look and to talk to others that had things going on in their life. And, and it was a, that was a lesson I gave my kids, and they're not kids anymore, but at the time they were kids, was that no matter how bad you think it is, you just have to do your very best to continue to count your blessings and recognize what you do have.
1: Yeah.
2: I spent, I spent three and a half months, you know, when I was exiled from the home, living out of a hotel, living out of my, my brother, Alan Jane's home in, in Pittsburgh, um, you know, back and forth. Cause I needed to just, I needed to be around family. But again, talking to folks over those three and a half months, living out of my car, I realized I didn't have it so bad. So that, that, that kept me grounded. And, you know, my faith kept me grounded throughout it all. But it's, you know, from, I guess, you know, from a leadership perspective, it's about a matter of readjusting, figuring out, trying to do your best to figure out what the reason is and what can you do with it? What, what additional good can you, can you bring out of this? And if nothing else, I've met a bunch of tremendously interesting people you know, throughout my journey as I, as I launched the book and during my time, even, even prior to the book. Yeah. So I've been afforded some opportunities meeting an individual like yourself, meeting an individual like Don, man, I've been, been afforded some opportunities I otherwise wouldn't have had.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, you talked about this. I think this is a big piece of it. Uh, it's, a, it's something that really should be talked about is, you know, going through this, how depressing I have to imagine it was and how Alone, or, or how much you might feel like you are on this island and knowing that like for whatever reason, when people do go through things like this, whether it's your situation, whether it's financial stress or just like whatever stress it is in life, a lot of times uh, they do, they tend not, they kind of hold it in. They, uh, they uh, separate themselves from others that we really, really care about them. They can really help them out it's probably guilt and shame and overwhelm and, and whatever else, there's all kinds of reasons. Right. But, but, um, the importance for you of, of, uh, that you could maybe get to someone else that might be going through a similar situation. What are some things you would say to help them to get to go around themselves with people that do care about them and and that could help them through this process or that journey?
2: Yeah. I said the the biggest mistake that I made, looking back again, besides isolating myself is, is I lost, I lost I, Well, and it's easily done when you're on an Island and you've got two or three people, you know, essentially telling you you're, you're a piece of shit and, and you, you begin to believe it because again, you isolate yourself and you don't have anybody reinforcing you positively on the outside. But I would say, stay true to yourself. Let nobody, let nobody judge you. Let nobody define you. And that's another lesson I've tried to impart on my kids is, you know, recognize your faults, right? Recognize your strengths, but also recognize areas that, that, that you've got to work on and get better at, but let nobody let nobody judge you or define you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I allowed that to happen. I lost sight of who I was as a... I lost sight of... The, the important thing for me now is I lost sight of who I was as a father. And unfortunately, I had, I had lost my daughter for two years. She was not in my life. She was, you know, manipulated and Against me, and she was, you know, vulnerable and impressionable at the age of 15, and was led to believe that, you know, she should be afraid of her father. Her father's got an alcohol problem, her father's got a drug addiction problem. And none, none of that could have been further from that, that, that. She couldn't have been any further from the truth than she was with that. But again, I, I lost sight of who I was as a man and as a father. I didn't care about the husband piece at this point, but. I allowed two other people, my now ex-mother-in-law and ex-wife to to judge me and define me. It wasn't perfect. And I certainly played my my role early on in, in you know some yeah. strength she pulled on with respect to trust. But you know, I, I mean I spent way too much time introspection on myself. And when you look inside too much and you 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 I I missed so many, so many red flags that I'm beyond kicking myself. For it now, but that I'm like, yeah, I should have. There's some huge red flags that were being waved in front of my face that, that I ignored, and I had a few people, my, you know, again, my brother Al and his wife Jane, that had mentioned some things to me, and I disregarded it. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they had asked, "Is there any chance she could be running around on you?" Yeah. Of course, I'm like, "Oh no, it's not <laughs> possible." Little, little, little did, I, little did I know. But yeah. again, I would say, you know, recognize your strengths. Also recognize your faults, but continue to believe in yourself. I mean, if you you don't believe in yourself, no, nobody else is going to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Maybe talk a little bit more about the title of the book and uh, where that came about.
2: (laughs) Yeah. um, Actually, part of that inspiration for the title came from, you know, came from my son, Billy. But uh, the, the, the first two gifts are my kids, you know, Billy and Katie. And again, I keep calling them kids. They're not. They're young adults. Yeah. But um, my dance with the devil and her mother, the subtitle, that was just something that uh, I was originally going to title the book, My Dance with the Devil. But I had an attorney who said, no, make that make that the subtitle so that the actual title is the first two gifts from my kids. The third gift I, I would say was, you know, I would call it clarity. I would call it without without question, Nate. I mean, the good Lord above intervened and, and smacked me across the face with the third gift, which. You know, I won't give too much away about the book, but it was a revelation, an accusation through through our attorneys at mediation that I that I gave her a sexually transmitted disease, Uh, which for me, it opened my eyes to go. okay, thank you, God, for smacking me across the face, because I knew I was faithful in the marriage. Wasn't perfect. But again, I was faithful. I was never inappropriate with, with another woman. And yeah, it opened my eyes and forced me to look at five years of medical claims, five years of pharmacy claims. And, and I uncovered everything that I uncovered. Um, had that not occurred, had that revelation and let's maybe it was shrouded in greed, maybe it was just pure evil that she thought she had infected me with something. Whatever caused her to play the card, I will be forever grateful because if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have looked at any of that. And I don't know where I'd be today emotionally. And I don't know where my relationship would be with my daughter, um, today. Yeah. So yeah. So the third gift really, let's call it, let's call it clarity. Let's call it, um, the ability for me to begin to reestablish who I was as a man and as a father and restore my identity, quite frankly, and mm-hmm. without quite, without question, God abs- absolutely intervened.
1: How did you, how do you come out of this? How do you, you know, move forward? Of course. Um, you know, the divorce is finalized, uh, this, this happened over a number of years. So kind of drug out, but, uh, what did you do, you know, moving forward, moving out of this, of course you write the book and, and, uh, time probably heals, heals some things as well, but yeah, you know, what are some of the ways that you as a leader really moved forward, moved out of this?
2: Well, I, I, you know, as I started, I started, first of all, I mean, you know, um, the, the entire journey is as dark as it was at some times. It was, it was full of brightness. It was full of joy. It was, it was an opportunity to reconnect with friends that I hadn't talked to in 20, 20 years, you know, 20 plus years. So I've reconnected with a lot of old friendships, established new friendships, but I've also learned a ton. So I've always been motivated, I guess, as a leader, if you will, I've been motivated by education. This goes all the way back to, you know, when I was in second grade. You know, I come from a large family in nine and early on in my, childhood, I I realized that I can get some attention from mom and dad by, by excelling academically. So for me, entering the legal system, for me, becoming further educated about medical claims data and pharmacy claims data, I it actually was energizing, if you will, as I uncovered all the things that she, as twisted as it may sound, it was energizing to me to, to uncover the truth, quite frankly. Yeah. But I also learned a lot about the legal system. And then Move forward to 2017 when I started writing the book. I wasn't a writer when I go in. I guess those that buy the book, if they're not, again, generous enough to buy the book, they can tell me if I'm a writer or not. But um, I learned a lot about that entire process. I learned yeah. a lot about the publishing process. So it's been extremely educational for me. Yeah. Uh, but I've also become aware of, you know, several philanthropic organizations out there. Uh, and, and I've learned a ton about the military and the struggles that post-military folks deal with and all the organizations that are rallying to try to support them. So I've, I've, I've learned and I've learned a ton. So, I mean, my, my vision, my mission from where I go from here is first of all to, you know, break even with the book and then to be able to give back. But there's also some thoughts in the back of my head of of writing a second book. But it's connected, part of that is connected to to my childhood and some of the things that my parents went through, you know, they're both deceased now, Uh you know, unfortunately, during, during my journey through hell, we lost, I lost my father. And then just this past March, you know, we we buried, we buried my mom, but uh, there's some things that happened in their childhood in particular, my mom's childhood um, that I think is, is, is book worthy. And it's one of the things, quite frankly, in my openness and honesty, that I believe got me involuntarily committed. Um, so I'm, there's there's thoughts of possibly writing a second second book, but I learned a ton about writing. I learned I've learned a lot about the legal system, yeah. you know, the goods and the bads of it, and um, it's just been it's just been energizing for me. In addition to that, I'm you know continuing to stay focused and dialed in on my you know my full time job.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I could say from I've, I've sure enjoyed reading the book. I'm not all the way through it yet, but I've got it picked up and been been reading it. And uh, I think you did a phenomenal job with putting it together and telling your story. So,
2: um, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, want, I want if I could, I want to take an opportunity. So the, the co-author on there and we, we try to put some humor into the book. Right. It's not all yeah. not all dark, but Kenny, Kenny in theme. But is that the last name is actually pronounced in the a.m. So it's kind of a joke. It's a character from a show on Showtime. It used to be on Showtime called I'm Dying Up Here.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah, he was an early morning DJ, cocaine addicted early morning DJ named Kenny in the AM. But I had a good friend of mine, colleague of mine, former colleague of mine that uh, helped me write it. Again, he was not an official writer, but I ran into him at the height of my mess at a um, business meeting. And sat down with him, had dinner for about three, four hours. And as I got out of the cab, I, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book. And he said, Oh, sure you are. And so, uh, once I started writing it, he agreed to, to help me with it. And he added a lot of, he added a lot of flair to it, a lot of humor. Okay. And he was extremely helpful to me. And yeah, gracious. Yeah, that's great. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I, I usually ask this question, I'll ask it to you. Um, you know, there's that critical moment in your life, maybe through the story, you know, maybe it's the third gift could easily be that one, but doesn't even have to be in regards to this book necessarily either, but um, critical moment, kind of that fork in the road, where had you chosen differently, you'd be in a very different place than you are today. Is there, is there a moment that comes to mind that you could share that could be, that is, you know, could be powerful for others that are potentially in that spot right now, trying to figure out what to do.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think for me, well, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, I would say f- when I say I was pushed to the edge, I was, I was pushed to the edge.
0: Yeah.
2: So at, at times um, the disappointment, the betrayal, struggling with the fact that you really didn't know somebody that you gave 25 years of your life to. Damn, near, damn, near crushed me. So the, the, the fork in the road for me was whether or not to. To continue to be here today, or to to yeah. end it. Yeah, I mean that's that's the biggest the biggest fork that I got to was how much how much more can I take? Mm-hmm. And again, I was surrounded. My faith was extremely strong. It's become even stronger. But I was surrounded by family, and I was surrounded by friends, and and I, I recognized that there were there was a greater purpose, and I was going to try to. Find that greater purpose, whether it's through the book or not. That I've got a lot more than I want to do with my life, and, and my kids need me, and my family needed me, and so I mean, it, it was it was a giant fork in the road, and, and that came yeah. at a time, Nate. I, I should say that was not when I was in psychiatric lockup. Uh huh. That was probably three years post psychiatric lockup. That 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 yeah. I wasn't suicidal when I went in to the facility. Um, but there were times or at least one time when I was, I was close to the edge. Um, when we went through our alimony trial and the initial ruling came down, um, and it was just one disappointment after another and the financial pressures that were mounting. I mean, I can't even tell you what I spent on attorneys and this and that. And, uh where you'd like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Cause I had some continuing obligations to my kids and I still do, even though they're young adults. And yeah, yeah, that was a huge, huge fork in the road for me. And um, yeah, I'm obviously glad that I made the decision I made Um, and I'm here and I'm stronger than ever. And there's still some days that, you know, you struggle with it, but I've, I've learned, I've learned so much from it, but I don't want to say, I'm not going to sit here and say that the strength was all mine. It came from it came from the good Lord. It came from family. It came from friends, and and they continue to provide tremendous amount of support. So again, I would say to anybody that's going through any type of adversity, and we're all going to face it, is find a confidant, lean on somebody, and and for God's sakes, do your best to to count your blessings.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Um, not at all yeah well, as we start to wrap this up here, what you know if there are one or two things that you haven't shared yet that you could share that would that would help the listeners uh, if they were to implement today, could help move their life forward today, What would that be?
2: I would say, um, regardless of where you're at with your age, don't become complacent. Look for that. continue to educate you. Ed learning never stops. Continue to follow your passions. Don't chase the money. Follow your passions, and the money will come. So, I, I tell my young adults, children, never stop learning and always look for an opportunity to give back to somebody, whether it's financial or whether it's a kind word or whether it's just a simple kind gesture. It's just so much easier. Yeah. Uh, and you, ne- you never know how it's going Im- to impact somebody. A few simple words and 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 i'll give you an example of what i'm talking about so in in my darkest days the words i hope you find peace never meant so much to me from a complete stranger yeah just out of the blue that i met at a gas station i mean i was i was i was in the depths of darkness and i don't know if this individual saw something in my eyes or not but he simply said, I hope you find peace. Have a good day. Just out of the blue. So don't stop learning. We're, we're here for a purpose. Continue to uh, not settle in and sit back and wait to retire. Um, but we're a vehicle to, to do good for a lot of people.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for so much for being here, JD. And uh, it's been an honor to have you. And it's been, been fun to to hear this story and, and uh, hopefully it will help a lot of other people as well through your story and your, your willingness to share that and your courage to share that. Um, there's a few ways that we can find the book and just follow you and which, what, what you got going on.
2: Well, again, I'm, I'm grateful to you for the opportunity, Nate. So, so thank you for that. Um, yeah. Folks can find the book. It's, it's available at mascotbooks.com uh, or it's available Amazon, Target, Walmart, eBay. It's, it's readily available. If folks want to, and I'd love to hear from folks if they, if, and when they do read it, they can reach me at the third gift book at gmail.com or certainly on my Instagram page or Facebook page that I've got dedicated towards, towards the book.
1: Great. I love it. Thank you. And, uh, we'll get all that linked up for you guys too. Make sure you get a copy and, and, uh, check it out. Um, it's an it truly is an incredible story so thank you again JD for being here I appreciate it
2: Nate thank you very much
0: let's go no five and no six I' deployed to Kuwait I used to wait every day for them to stay nature going home I missed my life missed my wife for 15 months he was all alone but when I got back I felt out of control feeling entitled I put my life on hold. I keep on I'm gonna be a leader I'ma lead the way, girl Someone for me